Welcome to the TBA Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We have a new film, Malcolm X, written and directed by Spike Lee. Uh, first film was Sorry to Bother You, directed by Boots Riley. That is uh, Mr. Riley's first and only movie so far. So now we're jumping to the other end of the spectrum. Spike Lee is the most acclaimed black director of all time. I think this is unquestionably one of Spike's greatest films, and I personally think it is his greatest film. I also think it's Denzel Washington's greatest performance, and that's a crazy thing to say, but we'll, we have plenty of episodes to talk about this. Let's get to it. Malcolm X, directed by Spike Lee, written by Spike Lee, starring Denzel Washington. I'm Derek Allsweet, one half of the hosting crew. The other half is a young professor, the hottest name in the podcast game, Corey Hunt. Let's get to it. I just hear all the little rebuttals from the from the, from the white blinders, and it's like, but but I didn't own slaves and those blah are, blah blah. Those, those voices are just circulating in my head, crowded in your head. Yeah, from Facebook. Yeah, I've heard it too many times. I've seen it too many times. Yeah, you know, I need to cleanse from that. Just from the those. perfect the perfect rhetoric every time, and they're just like, but yeah. So, but yeah, man, Malcolm was a orator extraordinaire for sure, man. Um and uh. Denzel, that uh, he nails that vocalization incredible so crazy, and he looks just like him. He moves. He he. It was it was incredible. One of the best performances I've ever seen, even by him. And he's got yeah. some bangers, man. Because in a lot of his films, like over time, he's like developed these crutches where you'll see him kind of do these similar moves. And I see maybe one or two in here. There's the walk. There's the walk when there's he, the slam. You know, there's a few <laughs> little different moves that he does. My favorite is the walk when he walks into the police precinct. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. But it's that it's that just determined Denzel coming down. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I love Denzel so much in this movie. He killed it. Speaking of love, uh, Spike Lee in the orange suit whoo, with mm-hmm. his walk. Zoot, zoot, yeah, with the so, zoot like, strut. I mean, that guy knows how to how to how to make a visual, you know, like a memorable visual. Mm-hmm. We got the barber shop at the beginning. Um, the second Denzel comes in from the first from the first scene, it's just like he's engaged. It's like mm-hmm. you're ready to roll. I was I, I mentioned the hair straightener scene. Any thoughts about hair straightening in general or like that shit hits so hard home. Every time they did anything with that shit, oh man, I was dying. Cause I grew up with that shit and like in the 90s people were still doing it like we weren't doing the conch what they were doing when i was growing up was called like the s curl so right before my generation was the jerry curl which was like yeah. ice cube big curls so then by the time i'm starting to come of age my teenage years 
it's tinier curls. So you got like the flat top right. with the little curls and you got to use that same stuff. But instead of like potatoes and powder, it comes in a little neat little box in a little container or whatever. And yeah, wow. man. And this is going into their, the early 90s when this film is made. I'm yeah. not sure that they don't still do that in certain places. I know right. some people, it's very, very, it's more, way more rare these days, but some people still definitely do that. And with black women, it's extremely more. So that's the same well, yeah, thing that black women uses to straighten their hair is that is that lie chemical. That's probably as common now as it's ever been. Yes, right? yes. With the Instagram. Sure. Uh, I mean, I guess era. maybe it might have actually slightly curved down with this whole, like, with the since Kendrick and, you know, just a lot of these different black power movements is becoming cool. more and more pre- prevalent to where you see natural black hair for sure. Um, you think from women too? Yes. Okay. So okay. they'll have their hair cut shorter yeah. and have a little fro, or they'll they'll be doing a lot more Afrocentric stuff with with. I mean, but there's still the perms and the weaves and all that mm-hmm. stuff going on for sure. But there's just a little uptick in the African Afrocentric love. How does that make you feel? The practice of that today does it make you feel any kind of way? It's just not your your business. It's like everybody can do what they want. To me, it's a like what he explains. You know, I see it the same way. It's a clear uh, expression of self hatred. You know what I mean? Because we're cooking our hair, right. you know, to make it look this certain way. And I think it's really, it's on an epigenetic type level. It's on a really subliminal, subconscious type thing. So it's not like, I don't, I don't like me, but you just been indoctrinated with commercials and looks. This person is the most beautiful right. and all those different things for years and years to where you're just like, well, let me just straighten this up a little bit and let me do that. And then it's just imp- imp- impressed upon you even by your own culture as well, where they're like, girl, get your, get your hair, right. get that good hair, blah, blah, right. blah, and all that stuff. So that stuff to me is total self-hatred type materials. And wow. once anyone really just delves into self-love, I don't think those things become right. an option anymore. Oh, that's that's amazing. I mean, it might be judgmental, though, as well. No, you know, that's just my so perspective. It's those, those subconscious effects, right? Those are the most fascinating in a way. Those are where like people get those moments of clarity or enlightenment. I think teaching white people about things like that is what really starts to kind of create a deeper kind of change. Understanding, in understanding. for sure. Um, so anytime, yeah, those subconscious effects are like, I'm like, dude, tell me about that. Yeah, okay, like even know. like with the facial hair type thing and all mm-hmm. that. I mean, I think that's more for we can all relate so that's when it kind of like because the thing with white privilege when you talk about white privilege it's a a privilege it's not like a genetic thing or a a promise it's just a thing that like right if you do the right things then you can keep that privilege but if you do the wrong things and you can lose that privilege so then with white privilege like for a black man we gotta we gotta shave our face but then white people like i gotta shave my face too because it's white privilege it's not just about you know you just being white it's about you looking a certain way of whiteness, you right. know, so where when you shave as a white man, especially, then you get closer to that Eurocentric, um, hmm. what do you call it? Just that look standard, the standard of, of what is what we're all going for. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we're, you know, we're all going for this. And then, but only some of us can actually all the way get there. You know what I mean? And so, mm-hmm. those who are kind of depending on your proximity to that standard, that's your privilege. You know what I mean? The closer right. you are to that standard, and if you move yourself away from that standard, you're like, I'm gonna grow out my hair, right. and I'm gonna get this big old beard, and I'm gonna walk around all dirty. Then you're gonna move farther away from that standardization of you know right. what I mean, P- white purity or whatever you want to call it. Right. Yeah. That Eurocentric look uh, is directly tied into Jesus, white Jesus as well, which is a, a topic here. I mean, I, I haven't studied the um, 
you know, the evolutions of Jesus as he's depicted in, mm-hmm. in art or whatever. Um, I don't know when the first drawing of a white Jesus happened or if there were drawings of a black Jesus. I'm not educated before. on black Jesus yeah. and I've read up on white Jesus, but I smoke a lot of weed. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't tell you for sure for certain, but and my understanding is the iconography of Jesus so, like throughout history. It's from Rome, Roman times. Right. So that's where a lot of today's Christianity, as we understand so they it, it come from. Yeah. yeah okay. And because their whole thing with Christianity, because there was Christianity in Africa, a lot of people don't know. They're like, oh, blacks didn't have Christianity until they came to America. But there are black Jesuses and depictions of a black Jesus in Africa gotcha. from long, long ago. Hmm. But um, the Romans, when they got a hold of Christianity, what they did was just take a bunch of different religions and put them all together to create this governmental right. system. They were trying to create control with it, and that's why it's built in the way that it is. I've, I've wrote that exact same thing down in my notes. <laughs> Just that Christianity was always meant to preserve the power of kings, I think. There you go. Denzel says, looks white, don't it? After he gets Yeah, as soon as he gets that calm. Yeah, I thought that was powerful for sure. Mm-hmm. That was that was too perfect, man. It was so perfect. Because and just to see how excited... You know he was at that moment like i thought that was so funny it was so minimal and nothing but the way he was wiping off his hand when he would give him dab they would slide their hands <laughs> and he would wipe his hand each time i don't know that doesn't make any He's sense it doesn't it's matter just, but it was just too an clean. incredible performance yeah captivating. so anyway. detailed uh so the uh the, the clan attacks his home yeah uh, the show flashback from when he's a child freedom independence and self-respect or can never be achieved. His dad's talking to his kids about the clan attack. So his father's family was killed and raped by white men. Mm-hmm. This is like really the foundation for Malcolm and the, you know, <laughs> what steers him the direction that he goes, um, I think in the second act, mm-hmm. is that foundation. I mean, just what happened to his family was just Yeah, his insane. mom too. Yeah, his mom being being raped. Or no, his his grandma to right. create his mother or whatever. Right. right, yeah, the product of rape. His mom's product of rape. Mm-hmm. Um, his dad's murdered, and they call it a suicide, which mm-hmm. made me think of the some of the questionable hangings recently. A right? lot of them, yeah. Um, uh, 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 and then and then her children are taken away from her because she can't because CPS says that she this can't. This movie her. is so. Thick. It just touches so everything, dude. We've got All those things are so powerful. So like each one of those things, like the social system and how it right. breaks up black families. Bang! Hit that on the head. You know, black folks and their desire to, you know, their um, inferiority complex with the looks white, don't it? Like that's right. that makes it better. And then uh, the police complicity of and, and right. just the systematic complicity of of. Right. How people keep black people have been getting murdered for centuries out here, and this justice justice system—that's finger quotes for you listeners—is <laughs> uh, just complicit with allowing, to, and that's to this day. Yeah. A lot of these things is so it, it's like man, that was so powerful and poignant in '92, and it's almost heartbreaking how you it just drop the same movie today, man, and it's just be it, it just hit so many yeah. of the same points. We haven't made much progress in those 20 years yeah i mean it's it's vital i think to point out or to at least remind yourself of progress whatever progress has been made for sure um or just identify it too Mm -hmm. i mean um but you know 
you you the the what's poisoning something is what is always going to draw your focus um, and as it needs to in order to for it to be fixed. I think too, just kind of like we kind of get focused in on those small victories to an extent, but then sometimes when you take a small, you take a step back and look at the big picture, you're like, it can be daunting. You're like, oh yeah, that, yeah, that is a lot of progress what we had going, but when you look at right. what we got with the races, it's not, it's not that fast. <laughs> um, all right, uh, his first girlfriend i don't think he does he marry her uh, no no laura uh-huh played by Teresa randall uh denzel says that she's fine as may wine in the mm-hmm. film and he he's is not uh, wrong absolutely right <laughs> about that not wrong she's Woo. been in a few spike movies i think she was the lead of uh like girl six or something like that uh-huh i think so i think she's in uh i want to say she's in she's gotta have it she's so fun super uh he that said malcolm uh meets his first uh white Mm-hmm. Uh, partner they're in the car the first time they sleep together she asks if he's ever been with a white woman he says yeah he says all kinds she's like no one who wasn't a whore <laughs> which was i mean that also like that was kind of like sad too just because it showed like how uncommon it was for interracial uh hookups even um that weren't from prostitutes yeah i thought that club scene was super interesting because it kind of showed the dichotomy of like a club today where you just got the DJ. Dude, they, that club scene's been killing it, killed by the way. Killed it. Killed <laughs> it. The whole, that whole choreography was wild. But so good. Just the dynamic of like having like a symphony. They had like a full horn it was amazing. and all that going on. I'm like, man, I need to hit that club. I need to bring that back. I mean, when you look at everything Spike did in this movie, I mean, like just the variety of quality scenes. It's just like... Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Let, let, let us score Scorsese influence, I, I felt, in this movie. And I'll yeah. talk about that a little bit more okay. later. So then there, yeah, there's the the white lady. He's He's got this fine black queen. <laughs> but she's, but she's but not giving she's, out. She's, she's not putting got, out. They put, they put that right there on the front street. <laughs> like, but she lives up on the hill and she got a grandma. I thought that was, man, he just brushes across these things and it's just like, whew. These flowers just blossom behind right. just this simple stroke of just being like, but she's got a grandma. Right. That's like There's touching a whole down story on like there. Yeah. family structure. So that means she actually abides and she's got self-confidence and, you know, all these different things. Mm-hmm. And he just just whoosh, just says that in just that simple little flick. And then there's that whole conversation. And then <laughs> Spike is just drop, chin drop, wolf eyes. And then he, Denzel looks at him and is like, what is this man looking at? And so then they're both just gawky over this this woman. Yeah. What did you think of her aesthetics? You think she was like beautiful or, you know, average yeah. or anything? You thought she was she's, very beautiful? She's gorgeous, yeah. Yes. I mean, okay. I would, I'd be a lucky man to marry her. How old is she right now? She's single? <laughs> I don't think... Teresa Randall! <laughs> She's single. About to hit her up on Twitter. I'm going to guess you might want to go Yeah, she's probably married. But uh, uh, I didn't think she was that. I didn't think she was that. Wait, you're talking about I the white woman? Was, or? I thought she, yeah, the white woman. I thought she oh, was no, like. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. See? No, I thought you were talking about uh, Teresa Randall. No, yeah. Of course, that's not even a question. Oh, no, no, uh, no. She, I wasn't that into her. So, yeah, she wasn't. But she was like, the way that she was presented, it was, it was like an average woman 
whitened up for lack Elevated, of a better yeah. phrase you know what i mean she just had all the whiteness she had the, the white dress and the red lipstick and the well they had to make her a little less beautiful dude. than laura right oh, okay. you know what i'm I didn't saying think about it like that to to, to show just the kind of it unfairness or yes. disparity yeah. I, th- I just thought it on on my own prejudice i guess i was like this lady ain't even as beautiful not even thinking that that was on yeah. purpose <laughs> I mean, so they, 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 there's there's an allusion to black men wanting white women specifically right before that. I, yes. I think it's his yes. dad because his mom was light skinned. I forget. Because yeah, because yeah. because that their their mothers were raped, then they wanted the prize of white women right. because they had been you know. And and if you, I mean that's one, also one of the things where I'd be like I could see myself having that opinion <laughs> it, it's what, awkward <laughs> as a black man being a black man i'm hearing it i'm like man where do i really where do i sit subconsciously because you can't you know the eye can't see itself and so i'm like man i know as much as i can <laughs> you know that yeah. i don't have that hatred you know i I've, i express but blackness it. but what's back there you know mm-hmm. <laughs> but what's mm-hmm. back there because i know i do love me some white women <laughs> i don't discriminate though i've always been of every every shade and color I see beauty in them all right. for sure. Me me too. And I think that implies that if there is a subconscious thing there, it's pretty, pretty mellow. I think if it's mm-hmm. like I'm just going after white women. Yeah, then, you then got that's where it's like this deep. That. Yeah, that's something to look at for sure. But uh Yeah, I mean shit, you know, I mean my theory about <laughs> wealth is uh like the current state of wealth exists so old ugly white men can keep beautiful white women and they're afraid of the white race being like genetically like uh, uh, erased because of interracial children like there, there's a phrase for it um actually it's a real theory like there's a lot of white people in America that are that, like that's their cause. Like they're they're terrified that I mean, white people are going to go like extinct. An inevitability, right? But it's it's an interesting thing to think like that. That's the motivation for some races, like some uh, white supremacism and, and racism is like they're worried about the white race being extinct. It's kind of an interesting thing. I, I wonder I, what I, I would. I wonder how I would feel about that. That's interesting. You know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not something I would instantly just condemn. You know, what I mean, that's an interesting feeling—a feeling of because it, it's it's like the other side of the coin of descendants of slaves who don't have a history. You know, what I mean, so these so that creates a certain kind of dichotomy where these people are concerned about not having a future, right? And so wow. I think they create very similar type of you know what I mean. Talk about a yin and a yang, man! Wow, and they crack against each other. Fascinating. Dude, there's a scene where they're playing like cops and robbers in their suits. What was that? I don't know. I don't know that anybody was ever doing that. Six year olds. Let alone Max. Let alone Max growing up. And you know, I take it back. That's the one scene that should have been cut from the movie. (laughs) I agree. That could have that could have gone because I don't get the what it was even. I think it was kind of like this thing of like he does have a child in him, but it was that wasn't very well done. That was funny. I just wanted to make fun of it. But there was a couple scenes. Like that one where like he falls on the grass in that expensive ass suit. <laughs> yeah. Or they're another and he's one where on the they're beach. laying on the beach. Yeah, the <laughs> no, that's not happening. When you're la- in the suit. Oh, that a uh, black woman is not laying her hair on the sand like that without no scarf or no nothing. Never, ever, not never. Unless there's million dollars. That's hilarious. Um uh, God, sorry, there they're gonna be some really 
bad segues in this podcast because there's some serious stuff. So I might go from laughing to mentioning something horribly serious. <laughs> and then he was shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, which I'm about to do right now. So brace yourself for this horrible segue. Uh, so there, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there's a scene where his mother doesn't get the insurance policy yeah. from the father's death because mm-hmm. it's ruled a suicide even though yeah. he was murdered. That's that systematic, that's that's yeah. that systematic right. I was talking about, yeah. Um, there's, and his relationship with Sophia, the, his white girlfriend, uh, played by Kate Burnett. But Burnham. even, oh, before we just brush past mm-hmm. that, uh, that's huge, man, because, yeah, they break mm-hmm. up their family because they take the wealth. So that's generational wealth they're talking about right there being yeah. stolen. And they're talking about how he breaks, breaks up that family of all those kids and parcels them out. Parcel being being a very punny word, yeah. you know what I mean? Just like they're just uh, pieces of you know equipment or right. something like that. Not human. Totally breaking up mm-hmm. their family union, and that creates, you know, that creates oh black on black crime, you know, because you know you have familyless people who don't have any connection to their heritage, not hate. You know what I mean? Right. They, that's what they need as well, and that's what they that's and that's true in that sense. That they actually do lack that heritage that creates this like Malcolm X who is who has proves himself later on as he grows up to be an astute, you know, powerful gem to the world. But as he's growing up, because of the conditions and the environment, he's a criminal, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. he's a thief and he's a delinquent mm-hmm. and all these different things. But that's not because he's black. That's because of the policies that in the that create the environment that he lived in. You know, what I mean, I think that was very that can important. happen to white people. Anybody, as well. you put right. anybody, and it made me think of a white friend actually when they, that topic came up. Mm-hmm. That was a brilliant guy. That I know he would have been a multimillionaire because he was such a great entrepreneur. But he started selling pounds of weed in the you know mid late nineties when mm-hmm. it was like a freaking felony. Mm-hmm. You know, so his life just went, and he ended up tragically passing away from you know overdose from drug addiction. I had a friend who was the most responsible dude I, I knew back when I was in my party days. So we would be at his house and we'd be partying all night and it hit like midnight and he would just like a dime. Go, go. I got to go to bed. I got work in the morning because the way he was raised, then his mother passed and it just changed. You know what I mean? It just changed everything. So then hmm. he did the same thing. Like he started selling <laughs> pounds of herb and then he started doing the white drugs and then started doing the darker drugs and they, he just never bounced back, man. And it's just like, yeah. it can happen to anybody. We're like a Petri dish, you know what I mean? Somebody sneeze on you, you know what right. I mean? That's gonna create who you become, you know what I mean? I mean, it makes me think of reparations and um I, th- I think that reparations need to start, need to begin, and they need to begin in kind of specific ways like uh, f- free college. I think maybe restitution for people in prison for weed offenses that lost so many years of their lives, disproportionately affecting uh, young black men. I think that's where reparations can begin. How do, what are your it's feelings on that? It's such a bigger thing. The, the one you mentioned I definitely am all born for is like the school situation. Right. Healthcare and school. Well, the problem, yeah, healthcare. That's a right. that's a key component. But a lot of people will talk about like the college situation. But a lot of black kids aren't even graduating high school. Right. And so that's where I think it really needs to start is health and education of young black youth. And then it's just time. It's been so long that the problem has become more nuanced. Right. And so the problem was never really black people. It was. Uh, the, the way black people were being treated 
and the conditions that those that that was causing. And so now what we really need to address is those conditions that are not now not only affecting black people. You know what I mean? So it can't really go directly to, you know, the grandson of a slave or whatever. You know what I mean? It needs to go to, you know, because it's just a big thing where you got Mm -hmm. slavery, reconstruction, the Jim Crow era, and then you have the black migration. And so that's when all the slaves left the South and went to like these right. populated areas where you see a lot of black people, all these little metropolitan areas we right. call urban areas or ghettos. Right. And so then the policies that were created in those areas, how those people were forced to move there was like, like they wouldn't give them loans. And then the white right. people that were living there, they would give them loans to move out of there. And the places where they, they would move the white people, they literally had in the deed that black people couldn't move there. Right. You couldn't sell your property to a black person and so forth. And that's how like neighborhood, these little neighborhood associations were formed. And that's what they right. were originally formed for was to keep the neighborhood white. And so we have to go back and address the segregation, you know, and try to figure out ways to unsegregate these neighborhoods in ways that don't um, hinder the other people, hinder more people, but just stop hindering those people that are affected by these ghettos. You know what I mean? So the reparations for me is curing ghettos, right. you know, so going to the places that we consider ghettos and curing them by by um, really directly, though, not with these Business sweeping loans, leases. You, banks depending on the on the circumstance like chicago you would heal differently than you would heal los angeles right so like for chicago it's got a lot of gang violence and murder and so you would need to go in and try to find solutions specifically for how they're getting how the why there's so many guns on the street how to get those guns off the street without imprisoning in, disproportionately and ineffectively you know what i mean just putting all, all those kids that have the guns in jail and things like that mm-hmm. and so it's really nuanced you know what i mean it's just about creating committees to really w- with teeth to really do something to address the issues you know what i mean and putting that reparations money into those committees and into right. those solutions it's a financial investment it's an investment in early education i mean now that i mean you're exactly right that the way in my opinion, and I mean, this is the field I work in, is to begin from K through 12. K through 12 is everything, mm-hmm. right? That's what sets you up for the person you're going to be in a lot of ways. Um, I forget who says it, but it's, it's, it's a saying that's like, it's easier to create a great man than to fix a broken one. Right. Talk about nuance. There needs to be a lot more nuanced political uh, movements toward uh Primary and secondary school education. That's the but, oligarchy but, doesn't want it. That's the problem. The oligarch, the oligarchy doesn't want it. Well, Republicans don't aren't big fans of public education either. I think it's I think it's the I think it's combined. You know, I think they both like the Democrats and Republicans. They juxt, you know, there's things about Republicans that are that is just reviling. But I think Democrats just leave the door open for a lot of stuff too. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like a team effort. And I think it's because, like I say, the oligarchs, which is the owners, you know, the people with the money that pay for the lobbyists for right. both sides, you know what I mean? Or, or, or for their own side, at least, or for, for one side, I mean. And it's like they don't want us, they don't want an educated youth coming up and slowing down the ever speeding consolidation of wealth. You know what I mean? They, things are working. Yeah. <laughs> so this whole thing we're talking about, that's not a, really a problem in their in their mind state. That's right. actually a, the goal. Right. 
Back to the movie. We made it uh, to the intro, right? When <laughs> when Denzel's uh, with his uh, with Sophia, uh-huh. um, there is this really interesting scene uh, where he he has her kiss his foot, oh, yeah. and then he says, "When are you gonna holler rape?" And it's just like another tragic scene to watch, where like, you know, even if you even if you somehow could manage to find an interracial relationship, and this is in the forty the nineteen forties mm-hmm. America. I just I, I so just sympathize with that paranoia that Denzel felt being with a white woman or that a black man would feel being with a white woman. And um yeah, the whole when you gonna holler rape thing was just you know what, that goes straight back to law enforcement, you know? A white woman hollers rape on a black man, done under the jail. And, and um you know, vice versa, not a damn thing happens, right? So Especially in our time. Right. Oof. But it's so tragic that some of this stuff comes right up to yesterday. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like like that whole fear of dating a white woman, that comes up to maybe 10 years ago or something uh, like that. It, and maybe even further for some in other right. places. You know what I mean? Because I've definitely lived that for sure. Right. And that, um, that is a good example of maybe finding something that is progressing some. I don't yes. Know. No, that is progressing for sure. Yeah. I remember in La Salle's, mm-hmm. this lady... I was maybe like 21, 22, something like that. And I'm 38 now. So I was about 16 years ago, something like that. I'm in LaSalle's. And this lady, cute, cute young lady, happened to be caught. I don't say Caucasian anymore because that's a <laughs> weird-ass thing that I won't get into the history lesson. White, white and black works for me. White lady. Um, and I'm going to speak my game. And then she was so politely racist. <laughs> I had never seen this shit in my life. <laughs> this uh, was some Southern Bell racism. Polite racism. That's the Southern uh, Bell racism. That's why they say they prefer that stuff. I get it. I got it after that because oh, that's like why the South is so polite. Because mm-hmm, they're polite. With Whoa! Their you just blew my freaking mind right there. That's why Southern charm exists so that you can be racist. This is true. Maybe it's possible. She's like, oh, honey. You cute, but I don't mix. <laughs> I'm from California. Oh my born god! Born and bred. Bro. I ain't never heard that. I'm like mix. I'm not even trying to mix nothing right now. What are you talking? And then, like, then it like kind of clicked. I was just like, whoa. Now you also wonder is how much of that is driven by the pressure from the white men in her life. Probably the vast oh, I majority. I, I don't wonder at all. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I already know for sure. Yeah, that's heavy. So it's like there's like some misogyny there too on the white woman and that she's just afraid of the white men that surround her. What would happen? Right. Yes, because they've been the closest in that proximity. So they were kind of the first and they've become like, you know, the women for Trump type thing or whatever, where they've just been domineered. Yeah. And it's not just by men, you know what I mean? It's just like like how black people can be complicit in racism. Women can be complicit in misogyny. Yeah. And so their moms are like, girl, you right. better be a good white girl. You better do what your man says and right. get you a good man and make him dinner and shut up and blah, 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 blah. So it's not even just men doing it. The women do it. You know, once oppression kicks in, it has a tendency Mm-hmm. to to uh, perpetuate itself you know what i mean and that is one of the um sides of islam like you mentioned that that's covered too and that that the kind of the role of the of the wife uh-huh um, yeah they the got woman. the massage very very they, they, when i heard that i was like man that's like christian conservative as fuck <laughs> you know like there's a real parallel that's there. the one they have in yeah, common yeah. for sure the, yeah, yeah. but the muslims probably go 
I don't know, man. It's it's interesting. They go more overtly controlling, whereas for sure. Christians for are sure. more for subliminal sure. with it. How you think they kept everything for so long? It's <laughs> subversive. It's tell, secret. I tell you, yeah, I feel it. <laughs> Uh, right. Chestnut checkers. So Malcolm's taken from CPS. His family split up. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, is adopted by a white family. There is a scene. Oh, we got a scene. Before we get to the that. scene, uh, go to the scene. What are you gonna say? We're already here. <laughs> so, like, do you think he was actually dressing in those kind of suits? I've never seen Malcolm in like a zoot suit or anything like that. Right, where did he get his money? They didn't That's explain what I'm how saying. he had money for that. Exactly. He was That's balling. Was like, he was, he was swagging kind of harder suits, than anybody. He was balling hard. And that was before he started robbing or anything. So, I thought that was <laughs> Right, I agree. Quick reminder to jump on over to Instagram, Twitter, Medium, WordPress, YouTube. Search for the All Sweet Collection. That's A-H-L-S-W-E-D-E, All Sweet Collection. We were parceled out, all of us. I truly believe that if ever a state agency destroyed a family, it destroyed ours. I was sent to a detention home and lived at this woman's house. And I know you'll keep it clean. Miss Swirlin. Boys, this is Malcolm, our new guest. We'll treat him like a brother. Father's reading the newspaper. I was special. What they're reading. The only colored kid in the class. For an event. I became sort of a mascot, like a like a pink poodle. In fact, I got called a nigger so much, I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. I thought it was my name. They talked about me like I wasn't there, like I was some kind of pedigree dog or a horse. Like I was invisible. The important thing is to be realistic. We all like you here, you know that. But you're a nigger, and a lawyer is no realistic goal for a nigger. But why do you stop, Strowski? I get the best grades in class. I got voted class president. I want to be a lawyer. Now, I want you to think about something that you can be. You're good with your hands. Making things. People would give you work. I would myself. Why don't you become a carpenter? That's a good profession for a color. Wasn't your pa a carpenter? Jesus was a carpenter. People like you as a person. You're doing real well. Remember what we said. Nothing succeeds like success. Let me hear it. Nothing succeeds like success. Right. As long as you're realistic. I think that was kind of the, really the seed for that. Why he was so easily indoctrinated into white hatred. You know what I mean? Because that yeah. was like the killing of his dream right, right. there. That's cold. Do you have any feelings about, you know, being the one black man in the room? I experienced that when I got here. Right. So, man, I feel like when I was in L.A., man, I'm almost, I'm pretty sure my that private school I went to didn't have any white kids. Wow. So we went, what was, is, dude, I want to, like, know about this school. West Angeles Christian Academy is the name of the school. Yo, I went to a service at West Angeles. The West only Angeles, time. The school, the, the bigger church, church across the street, yeah. Wow. Yeah. The only time I've been to a service in, like, 15 years was one time there with my friend Dion down there. That's wild. And I was like yeah, the only white person school. there. Yeah. I went to that school. It was interesting. That created a lot. Man, it really was a powerful upbringing, you know what I mean? Because it was really rich. 
with uh, black privilege, I guess, for lack of a better term, but yeah. just black rich, black, black richness, richness. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Just a lot of people doing well for themselves, and it just put us really rubbing shoulders with like you know actors and directors and just the people, the who's who of, of L.A. or whatever. So that was really interesting, and it was just normal because I was so young. That's all I really knew. I just thought it was like that. Right. But um, I forgot what. I, where, what We're just talking about like being the only black man. In yeah. Life. So yeah, I came from that. I came from that school with pretty much. There might have there was one girl who had white skin, but I'm kind of thinking that I remember something about she wasn't white for some reason. But anyways, she presented white. Anywho, I moved to Chico when I'm about 15. And then it's the opposite. Yeah. I go to PV first day of school because I lived in California Park, so I was in that district. And yeah, man, I think there might have there might have been some black kids there, but I just remember saying a bunch of N words, <laughs> calling everybody nigga this and nigga that, and everybody looking at me like I was That's crazy. That's amazing. Yeah, because they, they don't say that up here like that. That's I guess. amazing. So yeah, did, like, did the teacher have to talk to you? I got expelled shortly after. Yeah, I didn't go to that school very long. Yeah, I got in a fight over it. So, yeah, I ended up getting into it with a hick. Dude, that just... Man, I've, and I've had conversations with principals and vice principals around town about this. Um, just, like, the rate of suspension and expulsion for black kids versus white kids. And when it's in a community like this, mm-hmm. and there's such a, there's even a smaller percentage of black kids, mm-hmm. those, those suspensions stick out like a... Poor, fucking sore thumb you know what i'm saying like every time i would see like oh this black kid got suspended i would just be like just the, the sirens whether, whether they you know they deserved it quote unquote or not like it just it it just is bad <laughs> it's like it's because we just handle things so bluntly you know for that right. type of situation you can't just do protocol right across the line you have to say okay this kid this child is dealing with these type of circumstances let's create right. a certain type of protocol for those circumstances and my and my whole thing is like someone had had these conversations with with principals is like you need to get suspension off the table you need to sit down and there Seriously. just needs to be a talk Seriously. there's no need for that if there's a fight so what this is like this is this this, this it, that talk about um subconscious or not even subconscious effect on someone like they're getting kicked out of school they're being told that they don't belong those that stats they're not good is probably enough. ridiculous the right. stats of a kid that gets suspended it's bad and the chances of them going to, to prison i'm sure you're or just the amount higher. of of black students suspended versus white students oh that as well yeah. but yeah just the the effect of even suspension like i'm sure it's not right po- positive right <laughs> it's a stupid practice so malcolm's mom uh ends up in a psych ward mm. her name by the way is lynette mckee i really like her as an actor she's been in a few i think spike lee movies as well mm. joe lewis is brought up mm-hmm. uh, he's I a black f- icon of of the 40s in harlem I think he did something similar to like what he did in Five Bloods, but with way better execution. <laughs> you know what I mean? The way that he, because he like brings up Billie Holiday and all these just, right. so he really touches on black history, right. but not so just in your face with right. it or whatever. I think I think he's he, very more uh, because there's a lot less of it. It's it's he's not like you know there's barely too, yeah. even a Muhammad Ali mm-hmm. m- mention or an MLK like at the end you get some MLK, but like yeah he, he doesn't insert a ton ton of cultural. Um, 
kind of references. And it's in not there. like a post-it note. Like on, it's like, bam, <laughs> read this. It's like, just, oh, we're in the club. Oh, and Billy Holiday happens to be there. Red is his name before he's Malcolm X when mm-hmm. he's young. Kind of the first act of his of his life on this in this movie. His mama called him Malcolm. I'm going to call him Malcolm. No. Um, <laughs> uh, there's a scene where he's serving uh, this white sailor. He says, I like you, boy. And and Denzel or, or in red says thank you sir in response to that it's just like god damn it shows him daydreaming like throwing a pie in his face or something oh and, okay uh, yeah 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 and uh when he's the train cook like, man all the amount of anger you gotta suppress when people fucking talk to you that way like I can't even imagine <laughs> how much anger have you had to suppress in your life Corey <laughs> I've been known to be an asshole so there's that <laughs> don't suppress it yeah don't suppress it let it out but you know I definitely do you know I'm known. How I ended up on that commission or that committee I was telling you about was because people seeing me. You want to tell communicate tell, tell the audience about that first. Oh yeah, I was just there's a uh, oversight committee committee because we were pushing for uh, Chico City Council to reallocate some of the police budget where they have fifty percent of the budget going directly to the police. And we just felt like, you know, a lot of the community, actually, not just, you know, me and my friends or anything like that, but just a lot of the community felt as if that money could be better allocated for like social services and Mm -hmm. education, you know, to help create, you know, better situations for the homeless, you know what I mean? And create Mm -hmm. opportunities for them to maybe get on their feet and Mm -hmm. things like that. And uh, I feel like, you know, the mayor felt that she needed to do something. But she also felt like she couldn't do what we were asking, which was reallocate some of the funds right. because her base is really police, you know, boot licking right. type, you know, just, <laughs> you know, I wasn't going to say it, but Pro I'm going to keep it a buck. I'm going to keep it a buck. Yeah. So she didn't really feel like she could do do what we were asking and really give us, you know, really bring us to the table and let's talk about the budget. So instead, she she threw us a bone and was like, let's talk about uh, another one of our requests, which was um, uh, synchronizing or uh, standardizing the Chico PD's use of force with the state, you know, what the state what, what the state allocates. And there's some certain verbiage in there that we wanted kind of brought to the Chico PD to where uh, it's not just uh, I, f- I forget the exact terminology and I don't want, and I don't want to brutalize it. But it was just like it was like a really semantic thing that can be used as a as a loophole to really get aggressive in in situations that where it's not necessary or useful. And so there's a committee now to look over that of the mayor and the vice mayor, some police representatives, and each one of them gets to bring in a community member and the vice mayor who fought to get on the committee invited me to be her sidekick. It's good. I mean, it's a, it's a step forward. And I guess it it's, is. it's open. It is. It's open to at least some degree of success. Like it's kind of what you. you it is what you. What it's you more than it. nothing, and yeah, I'm yeah. hoping to try to take it and make it make something out of it for sure. There's always that's awesome. an opportunity. That's awesome. Well, you got my support here. Anytime you need it, for sure. All right, let's go to uh, where he meets uh, West Indian Archie, mm. played my by boy Delroy Lindo. My boy, one of the greats, Delroy Lindo. The cast in this movie is really fascinating. Um, the cameos too, and, and uh, some we'll of the cameos, yeah, man. Nelson Mandela's in this movie. <laughs> that, that blows my mind. It blows what? mine too. Blows what? mine too. Um, I didn't even remember that actually when I first rewatched this, or when when I first rewatched it, when I rewatched it. Yeah. 
That was a surprise. So uh, Del Orlando. So what the note I wrote here was Black Mafia, right? Because that's just the impression I got. Like, okay, this guy's like this. This reminds me exactly of Goodfellas. Like same exact thing. There's no difference. Um, um, and then I Google Black Mafia and mm-hmm. like, granted, I just went to the Wikipedia page, but it opened up this whole like, oh my god, the stories like. Well, uh, like there's so much material. Do you remember any of the characters off the top? Uh, let me see. Let me go to the page here. So I wonder which mafia they're talking. If they're talking like Bumpy Johnson. Or- so African American organized crime. And by the way, Wikipedia is fine. Everybody, calm down. <laughs> uh, so in the 19th and early 20th centuries, uh-huh. there's African American organized crime. Yeah. Um, following that large scale migration that you're talking mm-hmm, about, mm-hmm. I feel like there's a tons of untapped. Films and books and stories about this There's stuff. There's some good I films really that are out too. Have you seen uh, Hoodlum? No. Okay. Yeah. I imagine there have there must be yeah, there's, some films there's, there's on some this. Fire. There's okay. some fire ones for sure. Okay. Because yeah, I mean, I was kind of into that when I was growing up. Because I was into the the Italian ones. Right. And then somebody kind of said something. I think in one of them about you know like blacks and blacks trying to be Italian or whatever, and that kind of really sparked me into toward that rabbit hole that you're talking yeah. about and so yeah the, the main ones i know about is like the harlem kind of movement and that's kind of what i think right. he was in with the numbers racket and all right. that and they were kind of i learned like, what that numbers game was i didn't know about that either. the person i was watching with wasn't familiar with that yeah. either and i just know from like i said those movies that i was watching with like the main character that i know who's one of the bigger guys of that was one of the first black kingpins was kind of like bumpy johnson mm-hmm. and then there's nikki barnes and they're they're all kind of like the Harlem legends or whatever. That and this is from the forties, thirties. Do you know? I'm not great with time periods. Okay. It's somewhere around there, though. Yeah, yeah like twenties to the forties, somewhere in yeah. there. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of it's kind of strange in a way that like like the nineties black film, the New Jack City, mm-hmm. the you know that 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 incorporated. All these these kind of Italian mm-hmm. mobster themes, like they, why they just incorporate black monster themes from the beginning? Like these films, you mm-hmm. know, like it's 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 interesting that they had to go Italian. I don't I wonder if that was a calculated kind of decision, but it became a cultural movement too, and hip hop and everything. Like exactly, it's weird. Exactly, I don't really know the nuts and bolts of it, but it definitely feels like some white supremacy shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because we had our own, but they had us worshiping somebody else's shit. You know what I mean? And that's what they do to us every time. You know what I mean? This, I have not heard this conversation yet. Like, this is a fascinating conversation to me. We got to have it. We got we to gotta put that on the list. Hoodlum, for sure. For something sure. like that. One of those. Oh, oh one thing. Uh, when, when he goes to meet uh, West Indian Archie, when Red does, mm-hmm. um, he's harassed by this black man at a bar. Mm-hmm. He calls him country. And like it just was like okay, I, I didn't realize it. He appeared country. Okay, like there's yeah. a difference between what oh, his yeah. suit was and like oh, the city yeah. black uh-huh. man suit. That's a big thing. So country is just more flashy, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. country folks was trying to be city folks, right? But they didn't know what it was, so that's why they got the flashy suits and everything from the <laughs> TV or whatever, because that's what they thought it was. And then and. City folk always looked down on country folk, right. and that's because they were more assimilated into whiteness or whatever right. you want to call it. So they're that countryness 
is reminding them where they come from. And, and so that's that it. kind of self-hatred type thing. They're right. like, man, get up out of here, country. You. Right. But it, that's not what they're saying to themselves, you know what I mean? But that's what's really being expressed there, that hatred. It's like, why you hate that man just because he's from the country? And what it really is is just that reminder Man, talk about Lair in this movie. I mean, that's like it's a 15-second scene it's that is a gigantic exactly. theme. Exactly. <laughs> and, and there's so many of them in It's here, one of man. the greatest movies ever made. Yeah, it really I'm is. serious. It really is. <laughs> it really is. I mean, just from Especially a... see time-based when you... Like, I just kept saying, 92? 92? Well, that's, that's when crazy. it started. And we see Rodney King at the beginning of the film. I bet that, that this film year. started to be made Same before thing. that even happened. Oh, what I was thinking, I'm wondering, because I'm wondering when in 92 it came out... And November. What role? November. Okay, so it was probably after the riots. I was like, I wonder if black folks seen this and that actually played a, a role in why they were so stoked. The timing the, was Im- impeccable at the very least. Either way, yeah. Before or after. And wow, I mean, talk about just like like cultural lightning striking. I mean, he had this movie had to have been greenlit and started to be made before the Rodney King thing happened. Oh yeah. So um what what I wanted to say about that was that uh this movie did cause the the Malcolm X brand to boom. Oh yeah, like that's like the X hats with the Dude, they had or whatever. Oh, they had. That's when African pendants came back. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? They, I think that was this movie specifically. I think. Okay. Combined with what was going on socially, this was like all right. Now Malcolm X is a brand because I think like '93 was when that that X brand was like at its peak. You know there what I'm was. Saying? The Queen Latifah movement too, like Q-Tip, Queen Latifah, they had that whole like black nationalist hip hop. It wasn't even black nationalist though, it was just more like I'm black and I'm proud type thing. Yeah. Because there is a difference there because like black nationalist is like blacks. We'll talk about that. Yeah, we'll talk about that. But I think it was kind of a perfect storm type situation, you know what I mean? Because you got more video footage where you got people seeing that oppression is real. You know what I mean? You're seeing the tanks bust through people's homes because the Los Angeles chief of police had instilled militarized policing In to crack down on what year it was. I'm not exactly sure. I think this it was, was for before. Rodney King, though? It was before. No, this was, oh, was before. this was L.A. policing for crack. And so this was like 89. That was like colors. 91. Colors would represent that. Yeah. I was not even thinking more so just a movie as far as just like the perfect storm right. that was happening with it. So that movement of the police in that, that started kind of in the late 80s, yeah. people started seeing it. They started having it on the news where they're like busting right. in the homes with tanks and stuff. And then you got Malcolm X. Then you got Queen Latifah. And you got uh, Arrested The Chronic. You got Dr. Dre. I mean, Snoop's wearing an X hat and they ain't nothing but a G thing video. I mean... That alone is like, boom. Um, Facts. Yeah, what what a, what a year, 92. It, it's bubbling up before Nas and Jay and, and everybody kind of hits the scene, outcasts. Mm-hmm. Like, what what a year. What a year. I mean, I was 12, you were 10. 11. 11. 11. Talk about when you're impressionable. Yeah.